We're kicking off a new series today. Um, really excited for this one. Uh, if you saw in the email, and we'll throw the graphic up here in a second if we have it back there, uh, but it's really called Jesus Out of the Box. And, and I think really the point is, and, and Kaylee helped with this design, is, is really the point of this series over the next few weeks and as we close out the year here is getting Jesus out of the box. First off, came to me an entire year ago. I was like, I know next year's series. And it was thinking about Jesus in a manger. You know, he's not in a manger. He's not in that literal box anymore. He's not on a cross anymore. He's not in a tomb anymore. The tomb was empty. He's alive. Right, so he's not in this box. Also, metaphorically, he's not this 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 one size fits all Jesus. Like he's so much bigger than that. He is everything you need him to be, and that's really the the hope today is that you walk out of here encountering and knowing Jesus for who he really is, not this box or this this shape or this ceiling of expectation that we have on him. But he blows that lid off and he reveals so much more of himself to you than you've ever experienced. I think worship services will be way deeper if our revelation was deeper. And, and, and I think sometimes we put Christians, we put churches in these boxes when they were never meant to be in a box. And, and I think even coming into this, maybe we've been hurt by Christians. Maybe it took you years to come to this, to this church because you were hurt by Christians or a church or a le church leader. And that's because we had them in this box and we had expectation on them that they should have never had in the first place. A person should never be put in a place to meet your needs. Jesus should always be that one that is meeting our needs and fulfilling our, our affirmation, our acceptance, right? Our validation. And when we begin to put others in that, in that box and a leader in that box of validating me because I'm good enough, all of a sudden we get in our workplaces, we get in our families, we get in our churches, and now suddenly our expectations on a man and when that president doesn't get reelected, our life shatters in a, in a sense. And I'm just here to tell you that like he, he blows every box and lid off and he's so different than anything we've ever expected, needed, wanted, desired. And I'm hoping that over the next few weeks that becomes our reality. So I wanna start in Luke 4 because this is certainly an upside down uh, thing. When Jesus is out of the box, it's the first or the last, the last shall be first, right? You go make disciples and you go from rest. You be still and know he's God and you stop, but yet you go. It's all these things are expectations. And at times, you know, it's like, no, we do not serve a bipolar God. <laughs> he's not angry one moment and disappointed in you and frustrated by your sin. And then all of a sudden, just so proud of you as a good father the next moment. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think at times we, want, we picture him in this way that's so different than who he really is. And it's this upside down thing to where, man, he is God of the universe. He is creator of all good things. Lydia read a verse last week. What a great word. And she's like, he, she referenced the verse that, that he is the giver of all good things. All good things come from above, come from Jesus. So let me, let me just get into this. Luke 4. This is an interesting uh, time here. And, and, and one of the things is, is, is so funny because this is right after Jesus was baptized. If you remember, John the Baptist and, and Jesus had this exchange, and John's like, I can't do it, I'm not worthy. And he's like, no, you're, you're going to do it. How many have tried to be disobedient to Jesus and, like, you can't outrun, you can't? It, Brittany, you're, you and I are the only ones. So... So we get to this place, and, and, and it's just so funny, and I know on a number of times I've preached that message, and Leif Hetland, who's been here, has a big heart for this message when Jesus is baptized, that when he comes up from the water, his ministry hadn't yet begun. 
And yet the Father, the Father of the universe, the Father God, says, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Right? It's, he hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't preached Sermon on the Mount. He hadn't been crucified or resurrected yet. He hadn't performed any signs, wonders, or miracles. Right? But yet the Father's saying, I'm proud of you. Because it's not based on what we do. It's based on who we are. <laughs> I'm going to get somewhere today. Because I think in this box of life and in our society, we want to measure things by the tangibles that we see on earth. Let me just tell you what, God is not a tangible measuring God. I, he could care less what you have in your bank account. He could care less what house you live in, what house you grew up in, what car you drive. I went to Mexico. Nicole and I went to Puerto Vallarta on our honeymoon. And that was, I think, maybe our first time ever being out of the country. And um, just a totally new realm of experience. And we end up, because we had very little money, and that, that trip was gifted to us by my parents for our wedding gift, uh, we took the public bus. And it was like a two-hour public bus drive uh, to our resort. And we used, used that to go to back and forth to the grocery and diff different things. And our resort was just absolutely amazing. And, uh, but we leave there, and we take this public bus, and, and I'm seeing these, some of these things for the first time. I had yet been on a missions trip, and I'm seeing the most poor conditions I've ever seen in my life. And I'm seeing these kids be given just a little coloring page and a crown or two that was all broken by their mom to get on this public bus to drive hours and stop after stop after stop after stop. And when you're on your honeymoon, you don't want to be on a public bus stopping this much. So... But then I just saw these kids light up and smiling and laughing and carrying on. And these kids literally had nothing. And now since then, every trip I go on, we, we serve the poor. We serve the hungry. We deliver groceries. We do these things, right? And we make this part of who we are because it's part of who Jesus is. And I see that happiness and joy are never connected to money. It's part of our society box, right? That, that happiness is, and success is connected to what we have. Let, let me just say this. It blew it out of the water when Jesus was baptized. You guys get that? Come on. Come on. Blew it out of the water. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. After that, he gets tempted, right? And then it says that he's preaching in the synagogues. And then all of a sudden, we get to Jesus rejected at Nazareth. I'm going to read these these, these few verses here, and then we'll, we'll kind of dialogue. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. So he reads from the scroll of Isaiah, and it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now listen up here. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scriptures you've just heard have been fulfilled this very day. He's basically saying, what I just read you, I am he. It is being fulfilled in this very moment before your eyes. Now let me just tell you about the box. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be? They asked, isn't this Joseph's son? Now here's where the tides turn. 
They're amazed by Jesus. They're amazed by the power of the Spirit and the words that he just read from the scroll of Isaiah. And then they say, but isn't this Joseph's son? Then he said, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead of a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, but the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. Now here, when they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jesus is saying, you're wanting a prophet, you're wanting this. Here I am. <laughs> and they're furious, to the point where it says, jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. First off, if we remember him on the cross, he says, and, and, and we're leaving, let's go to the garden, okay? And Peter, Peter's this, this spunky guy, right? Grabs a sword. Jesus is being taken over by the soldiers. Peter grabs a sword, and he's like, he cuts off the ear of a soldier, right? It's wild stuff. And Jesus says, hold up. Hold up, bruh. Don't you know I can call 12 legions, 77,000 angels, and, and, and free myself? And this is proof. In that moment, they're mobbing him, forcing him off the cliff, and he walks right through because the time wasn't ready yet. It hadn't come. The, all of the prophecies hadn't yet been fulfilled. So, so yet here we are in, in this time, and, and, and they said, but isn't he just Joseph's son? See, he didn't come in the way that they had anticipated. He didn't come in their Pharisaical, Sadduceical box. He was different. He came from this average family. He came born of a virgin Mary, right? So he's, he's in this, this box of, according to their mindsets because they were expecting something way different. See, the religious people, the Jewish people at that time, they were expecting that maybe he would come more of a, maybe a Levit Levitical priest, maybe from the tribe of Levite. Maybe that he would come from, from the family or the lineage of David and, and the, from the tribe of Judah as a conquering king. Maybe they thought he was coming as a prophet like Moses, but when he wasn't one of those things in their box, all of a sudden they want to kill him. Because now he's saying something who he wasn't in their mind. Let me just say this. He came, and he wasn't just a conquering king. He was the king of kings. He came. He wasn't just a Levitical priest. He was the high priest. He came, and he wasn't a prophet. He became the 300 prophecies from over 400 years prior. And if we want to think of him in this box, we're going to miss him. It can even be to the point of, of not just how we see Jesus, but how we see a situation. Political, economical, these things, these things in my life. God, why did you not move in that moment the way I wanted you to move? Maybe because he knows better. Maybe because he knows something bigger and beyond what you would ever fathom. Maybe the reason you missed that was because he was saving and there was a provision there that saved you from being in that car to that promotional job that you thought you should get because you would have died in a car accident. I see this stuff on a daily basis. A lot of other firefighters and police officers here and, 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 and Brady on CareFlight, we see this on a daily basis that maybe that one thing didn't happen to prevent something else from happening. 
We can't put these things in a box. God, why didn't you move them? Why is this happening to my kids? Why is this not happening? Why did this happen? Why did this not happen? Why did this person not get healed? Why did this happen? Why did this person get pregnant and not me? Why did, why did this person get healed of cancer and not my mom? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think God withholds love. I don't think he withholds power. I don't think he withholds signs, wonders, and miracles. But some reason, somehow, some way, God's still good. That is a box of a lid that I've removed that God, no matter what I see, no matter what trial I go through, no matter what hardship I have to walk through or help others walk through, he is still good. So they miss Jesus because Jesus came as a servant. Jesus came through a virgin birth. Jesus came in an average family. Jesus came and he washed feet. Jesus came and he sat at a well with a Samaritan woman. Jesus came and he dug in some dirt of a woman caught in adultery. Of everybody else who wanted to stone these people, Jesus came to love. Jesus came to forgive. Jesus came to set captives free. And it wasn't the way the people of the time thought it should be. So they want to kill him because he didn't fit in their box. What box have we put around Jesus? What box have we put around the signs, the wonders, the miracles, his love, his grace, his mercy, his judgment seat? I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself becoming in that judgment seat and putting myself in that box that Jesus wanted to shatter and him become that. Let me rephrase that. I become judgmental looking at that person, looking at this, looking at that, when my eyes should be on Jesus. So how do we see Jesus? You know, he loved the unlovable. He loved the unclean. A woman with the issue of blood couldn't even fight her way through a crowd. Couldn't even, no one would at least let her in. She had to push her way and fight through a crowd to touch Jesus. And what did he do? He stopped everything and he healed her. Daughter, your faith has made you well. He stops for the one. We're going to end with a story about that. But how do we see Jesus? Do we still see Jesus up on a throne? Do we see Jesus still in a manger? Do we still see Jesus still being crucified on a cross? When we close our eyes, do we see Jesus that's a really good father or is he just a judge? Is Jesus smiling or is he frowning? I serve a Jesus that in his presence is the fullness of what? Joy. So my Jesus is continually smiling. You know, when he knows everything that's going to happen, he's never disappointed anyway. He's heartbroken at times. He did wept. He, he wept. shortest verse in the Bible. You guys can all memorize one verse right now. Just so you say, well, he doesn't even care about scripture memorization. Yes, I do. We can all memorize one right now. Two words, Jesus wept. Why? Because he was heartbroken over Lazarus, his buddy, his friend, his companion in life, right? He was moved. And guess what he did? He raised Lazarus straight from that grave, straight from death. <laughs> and you know what the cool thing about this box is? He did all these things, all these signs, wonders, miracles. He wowed people. The crowds were flocking to him, except for the religious people who had him in this box. And guess what? He says, greater signs you'll do because I go to my Father on your behalf. Now, that's a lid that needs removed. Speaking of Lazarus raising the dead, speaking of blind eyes being healed, rubbing mud in eyes. In the spit, yes. I'm blown away by some of this stuff. And, and we think that Jesus can't do this or that in this day and age. 
I don't know about you, but my Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So anytime I try to put Jesus in this box, I'm like, wait a second. He raised Lazarus from the dead. If he can raise Lazarus from the dead, he can do this. If he healed blind eyes, he can do this. If he can heal a paralytic person, he can do this. If he can make deaf ears here, he can do it again. He does. He wants to. That's his heart. That's his desire. We, we, we want to put him in this box. It's because we really don't know him. Because we've kept him in this box. Why? Because society has told us that that's normal. I love going to an abnormal church where I see really crazy things. When, when, when Nicole's like, Jesus told me he's going to heal people today. And then a half dozen people or more get healed today. That's outside the box. I don't know if that would fit in the box of where you grew up going to church. <laughs> But there is no box. There is no building. There's no, this is where we meet as a family to gather church. And we think that this box is God's church. Like his church is way bigger than this upper room box and container we're in right now. Let me just tell you this. My friend Dale Christian, the, the, the pastor of First Baptist in Troy, God's working there today. And Dale's one of my best friends. And God is moving in that Baptist church today. He's moving in the Nazarene church today. He is moving in the Methodist church today. He is moving in the Catholic Church today. If we think he's not, we are stuck in this box and we're so limited in our, in our minuscule thinking, thinking that we're the only ones experiencing Jesus. <laughs> he is moving at Faith Life today. He's moving at Northgate today. He's moving online today. He's moving in Josh's heart today. Man, it is good to see you. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. I, I referenced this a few weeks ago. Finally, Caleb came out with a song. I know you by a thousand names. I've been preaching this for years. 951 titles of God in the Bible. I know you by a thousand names. Finally. I think they heard my podcast and they wrote a song about it. And the gift of the Holy Spirit's humility just ask me. <laughs> Ephesians 3, 20 through 21 says this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think according to the power within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Through how many generations? All. So Jesus can do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask think imagine some versions even add dream of okay it's not only that jesus can do that jesus is that because he does who he is but let me reword that if we want to know his nature it's within his titles right if we want to know his titles and what we call him that's who he is that's his nature that's his will that's who he wants to be and who he is and who he will be forever from generation to generation to generation let me reword that if you don't believe in healing, why would you believe in salvation? <laughs> because he's healer, so he heals. As much as he's savior, he saves. And we can go on and on and on and on to the cessationists and to the people that are like, well, I've never seen that, so he must not do that. Well, you've got him in a box then. You need to step out of your box and his box and actually activate your faith and see Jesus do some pretty cool things. So the Christmas story, here we have this because, let, let me give you this quote. This is, 
something I've said in the past, but I felt it was also for this message. Don't lower our theology to match our experiences. Raise our expectations to match Jesus' theology. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say that again. I see Chelsea is saved, set free, and taking notes. So I'm going to say this again for at least her who's paying attention. Don't lower our theology to match our experiences. Raise our expectation to match Jesus' theology. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus became the perfect example of here on earth. We, we want to say, well, this can and this can't. It is not me to say can and can't. It, this person's saved, this person's not. Nope, not, not my place. Jesus, you're judge, you be judge. I don't want to be. Jesus, my faith will activate and I'll do whatever that you say in your word you can do and beyond. Whether or not you do it or not, I'm not going to judge you on based on how good you are because you're always good. So we get to this, the Christmas story, and we get to, to this, this crazy story of 300 prophecies from 1,100 years prior up to 400 years prior. 300 prophecies, and this was one of the bigger ones. One of the, they're all equally the same, right, in theology. But here we, we, we have this proof that Jesus came to the earth, born of a virgin, a miraculous story into this family to, to come and to, to, to really reveal the Father, to connect us back to the Father, to connect us to eternity. He didn't come just to stay in a manger. He didn't come just to come and let shepherds come worship and praise him and, and sing these songs with angels. He didn't just come so, so wise men when he was a toddler would find him and bow down and give him gifts. That wasn't the, the, the apex of, of his existence on earth. He came to fulfill the gospel, to bring the good news, to set captives free, to heal the sick, to become the example and demonstrate who God really was, to be crucified for you and I. That's not the end, though. So that he could be buried and resurrect and bring us up to eternity with him. Still not the end. To return for a glorious bride, you and I, that one day we'll get to see him face to face. Everybody in here has lost loved ones close to them. I see some people in, in this congregation that have some pretty radical, crazy stories of lost loved ones. Heartache, loneliness, things I can't imagine. But let me just tell you, hopefully, at least I know some of them, in this place, they are with Jesus face to face. There's no time in eternity, right? The blink of an eye. So whether we expire and we get our upgrade early or his return happens first, either way, Jesus came, born of a virgin, was no longer in a manger, no longer on a cross, no longer in a grave, and he's alive and he's returning for a beautiful bride. And we are going to be able to behold the face of Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. And, and let me just tell you, when we behold him, we become like him. And whatever we're beholding on earth, we're becoming like. Maybe it's some of those other stuff I referenced earlier. I want to behold the face of Jesus. I want to become more like him. So in his return, I'm not as surprised as what I might be. Oh, man, you know, this is just training for his glory. I think sometimes I... I, I get so convicted if I'm like, man, I'm ready to preach. Why is, this, why is this 35 minutes of worship? Oh, man, if I can't do an hour or two hours of worship, I'm going to be bored in heaven. Yeah. 
You laugh? But if I'm in love with the king that is so captivating and he's outside this box and my revelation is so deep, I'll get lost and never get bored of worship. I feel sorry for people who can't do an hour. You can train up to it, but I feel sorry. It's because you've never caught a glimpse of who Jesus really is and you are so in love to be in his presence, you never get bored of it. If the movie's good, I keep watching. If it's bad, I turn it off. Matt Namey recommended the dumbest movie ever to Nicole and I. I got two minutes, according to my clock, but I've got an eternity of Jesus' clock to go on this rabbit trail right now. They love this movie, and I don't even remember what it was, but Jack Black was an undertaker. And, and he got caught up, in his, and it's based on a true story. And I'm like, if Matt and Amy, who I trust, recommend this movie, it has to get good. It has to eventually be good. And we're half hour into it. We're an hour into it, and it's going nowhere. And it's, it is, I, I loved uh, Nacho Libre. On the second time, I loved um, Napoleon Dynamite. Some of you are like, that's the dumbest movie ever. No, you've not watched this movie then. So an hour in, Nicole just keeps saying, I was like, Nicole, let's turn this off. Let's turn this off. And Nicole's like, no, no, it must get good. Amy liked it. It's going to get good. Something's going to happen. Did you not like it? Okay, so she liked it. Everybody just heard her say she liked it. It was her favorite movie. So anyway, all of you right now in this moment are tempted to grab your phone, Google the movie I'm talking about, and look up Jack Black. I am warning you with full grace and mercy right now, do not do it. It is the worst campfire you will ever be pulled into that you can't take your eyes off of. After an hour, Nicole, come on. No, it must be good. Matt and Amy recommend it. It's got to be good. I will Google it. I was like, I know the ending. I'm done. She finished that stupid movie. Why? I don't know. Let me get back to the point. If a movie's dumb, I turn it off because I get bored. I, I don't know. I'm not even going to publicly say it into the microphone. We already got infringed for copyrights on today's live stream. So anyway, every, every week, it's like 50 seconds of your video is muted. We have CCLI license. We are good. So anyway, if we have Jesus outside of this box, I'm, I'm getting it back in here. If we have Jesus outside this box, we're never going to get bored worshiping him because we're seeing who he really is. We're falling more in love every encounter, every time we worship, every time we adore him, every time we think of him, every time we get into the realm of thankfulness, begin to thank the Lord for things, we're in this realm of revelation, growing deeper and digging this well of history with the Lord. And then there's days where I don't feel like it. There's days where a hard time comes. There's days when a trial comes and I get to pull from that well knowing how deep it is because of how good God is in my life and in my heart and in my perception of him outside this box. That would preach. So the band can come. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Verses 18 and 19. When Jesus is reading this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, and that the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free. And the time of the Lord's favor has come. Luke 19, 1 through 10. Let me, let me just finish with this. 
Luke 19. Beautiful story. Do you know we're more concerned with numbers than Jesus ever has been? It says that he's in our midst where two or more are gathered, he's in your midst. So it only takes two for a church service, but you know it only takes one for a worship service? You don't need a gathering, you don't need anything to adore the King of Kings. And Jesus is so outside the realm of everybody's perception of that time and oftentimes in this time that he stops for the one. And this is Zacchaeus. He says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. Do you think a tax collector is liked or not liked? I'm guessing he wasn't everybody's favorite person. If you've watched Chosen, you may get a little bit of reflection of that. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Do you think he was honest and upright? He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. Do you think Jesus was a prophet? Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. <laughs> Let me just be honest. Jesus did not care about offending the crowds. He did not care about offending the religious leaders. He did not care about offending anybody. Because he wore all of our offenses anyway. He became all of our offenses. He became all of our sin. He who knew no sin became ours. He who knew no offense became our offense. Like, he didn't care. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. If, you ha if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, there is an encounter happening in Zacchaeus. There is a moment here. Let me just say this. God, Jesus is still stopping for the one. He's still calling you by name. He's not caring what anybody else thinks. He doesn't care where you've been, where you were, how long you were there, how many mistakes you made if you went back to it. He does not care. He is calling you by name today. I think it's awesome when Jesus would go to somebody's house because I just recall the stories about whole house salvation, that it wasn't just for him in that moment. It was for his whole house. It was for his kids, his grandkids, his marriage. Man, Jesus cares. He is not just this judge in the throne room waiting to punish you if you mess up. Man, he's this loving creator and father and friend and savior and healer and prince of peace. Since Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man, he switched from the Son of Abraham to the Son of Man, came to seek and save those who were lost, or that which was lost. Today is the day of salvation. And I just, I, I want to contend here for a moment, I want to point to Jesus for a moment, that just as much as he did for Zacchaeus that day, he's doing today. Just as much as he said, today, 
Jesus has come to your house. Jesus had come to you, and today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that Jesus came to seek and save that or who was, was lost. We think this box, right? Let me just tell you, when we flip the lid off that thing and let Jesus out and we shatter those walls that he's been trying to kick down all this time anyway, all of a sudden our, our mindsets are renewed like Nicole had promised today. Because now we're seeing beyond this box or beyond this situation or beyond this trial or beyond this circumstance and we see through the eyes and the lenses of heaven and we get to see people that way. Oh, what a gift. What a gift when we throw the lid off the box that we get to see people the way God sees them. We don't see thief or sinner anymore or liar or cheater. We say, man, they are saved by grace. That's me. It's all of us in this room. Why don't you stand with me? Today is the day of salvation. The Bible in the New Testament uses the word salvation 200 times in the way of sozo. Saved, healed, and delivered. It's not just, like Zacchaeus, it was not just eternal gift of, of heaven. It was mind, body, soul, spirit, emotion, mentality. Oh man, it was everything. And I believe that same promise is here today, that he's not in this box and it's not just for the gift of, of, of in a manger that was given to this earth for that time. No, he shattered everything. I don't know about you, but I'm not still waiting on a king to come free me. I'm not still waiting on a religious leader to come free me. I'm not waiting on a political king to come free me. Jesus came to set the captives free and he died and he was crucified and he's resurrected and he's waiting and he's in us and he's good and he's alive. So here's what I wanna do. I think there's a couple prayer needs here right now and I think there's a couple ministry opportunities. First off is, is for our way of thinking. Our minds are, are, is, is oftentimes this trap or this limitation of who God is, our minds. And it could be the things that have been portrayed to us. It could be through our experiences. could be our lack of experiences. could be our upbringing, what's been told to us, what word curses have been spoke over us, or whatever it could be. A lot of times our mind is our limitation. I believe we're going to pray right now that God will renew, renew our minds and remove the lids if there are any. And then a personal renewal, a personal encounter with the Lord to get him out of this silly box that we may have him in. Also, I want to remove any boxes that are around situations, circumstances, or what could have been or should have been or whatever. I think I heard Sue Justice once say, quit shitting on yourself, right? Quit shitting on yourself. Should do this, should do that, shouldn't do that, right? I think I've heard you say that. Quit shitting on yourself. It's okay, it's upper room. We're allowed to say some of these things. And I believe that's sometimes the thing, and we're not seeing that circumstance, that, that, that thing that didn't go the way we wanted it to go because we're not seeing it through heaven's lenses. So ourselves, God, and circumstances, I think, are in these boxes. Let's just pray these boxes are gone, okay? So first off, hand on your head again. We are transformed, Lord, by the renewing of our minds. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Lord, I ask right now that you renew our mind. And if there's any limitation, any lid, any limitation to you, Jesus, any realm of thinking within a box that you just break down those walls right now and you renew minds in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, renew our minds.
Let us encounter you. Let us have revelation of you. Let us see you in your fullness, God. Let us have your heart. Let us have your eyes, Jesus. Lord, for ourselves to see you and to see situations outside of, of, of limited box thinking. Lord, get us out of the box. Lord, let us see you outside the box, outside of limitation, outside of restrictions, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just put your hand on somebody next to you and just begin to release heaven. Begin to pray for them. See if there's a specific need. And just begin to ask, man, is there any box that, uh, that you need removed? say there's miracles happening right now. We are in the midst of miracles right now. There was a miraculous birth. His name was Jesus. There was a miraculous crucifixion. His name's Jesus. And there was a miraculous resurrection. And his name's Jesus. There are miracles in this room right now. Whoever you're praying for is a miracle right now. There are miracles in this room. And Zach, would you just put your hand on Josh? There's a miracle right there. There's a miracle right now. There's a miracle of freedom right now. There's a miracle. There's miracles in marriages right now. There are miracles in bodies right now. There are miracles in faith right now. There are miracles in finances right now. There are miracles in, in, in desolate situations and things that look like death God's bringing to life in Jesus' name. There are miracles to mental health right now. Right now, there's miracles to depression and hopelessness right now. There's miracles to what might be suicidal thoughts and temptations to life and hope right now in Jesus' name. There is joy coming in this room. His name's Jesus. There is joy coming into that thing. It's, his name's Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you are hope, that you are life, that you are joy. We thank you that you live outside of a box, that you live outside of limitation or expectation, and you cross every barrier, every, every wall, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you came to give life and life abundantly. We thank you that you came to set captives free. We thank you that you came to, to reach the poor, to proclaim the gospel, to set captives free, to let blind see Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you came to seek and save that which was lost. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We're gonna ask our prayer team to come and. And if you need anything further, if you need prayer for anything specific, if you need prayer for a desolate situation going on right now, we'd love to gather around you and love on you and, and just point you to Jesus. Let me, let me just say that. that. That is the whole essence of who Upper Room is, who we are today, what this message is. It's pointing to Jesus. It is pointing to Jesus. We can't point to man. We can't point to a situation. We can't point to anything else than Jesus. Our hearts, our hope. Our expectation is pointing to Jesus and he is amazing and good and he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never let us down. He'll never disappoint us. Everything else in life will. Let me just tell you that. One time or another, everything else will. Jesus will not. Jesus will not. Oh, we love you guys. Take a moment. Bless somebody.
bless you guys. If you need prayer, there's an amazing team up here. If you need salvation, if you did not receive it already, we want to offer that to you. If you need healing in your body, your home, your marriage, or anything, we love you guys. Bless you. Happy December. <laughs>